I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about what it's going to do in your life. And I believe God's going to use it to do something in your marriage relationship, in your parenting relationship, your relationship with other believers. I believe God's going to use it to do something unexplainable, something supernatural in our church family. And as a result, I believe He's going to use it to reach out to our community. And I believe it's going to impact our community. I know that it's something that you need to want. You've got to want to learn more about love. And that's been my prayer for several weeks now, that God would do something in our hearts to give us a hunger and a yearning, a thirst to know and experience and understand His love and that that might transform us and spill over out of our lives into the relationships we have with other people. Other people that are part of this fellowship, other people that we work with, that we live with, that live in our community and in our neighborhoods. If we're going to impact this community for Christ, the thing that must drive that is love. Or it won't get done. The thing that must drive that is love. Or it won't get done. So get out of your minds that it takes a great strategy. It takes creativity. What it takes is love. That's how God will use us to impact this community for Christ. Lord Jesus, as we study your word, it's imperative, I beg you, that you would be who speaks to each of us, that we would hear your voice, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would reveal your heart to us, that you would teach us. Lord, as you compel us, as you as you draw us, as you place before us what you would have us to do, I pray that, that Lord, we would, be, that we would be bold in our commitment to you. That, would we, that we would be bold in our yes, Lord, to you. That we would trust you for strength and guidance and direction, wisdom, all that we need to follow you and to do what you've called us to do. May we hear your voice and may you accomplish, Lord, your purposes in our hearts and lives this morning. I beg you and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. I hope that you've been thinking about love a little bit. We've kind of been preparing for this time together now for several weeks. And I hope you've been asking your questions, yourself questions about love and exactly what, is, what it is and what it looks like and what does that mean to me and how is that manifest in my life and how do I experience that? How do I define love? Do other people see love in me? Is that a characteristic that people see in me? I think that we use the word flippantly sometimes, don't we? I think that oftentimes we take love kind of for granted I, I tell you every Sunday, and I don't apologize for this, and I'll continue to do this, but I tell you every Sunday, God is real, and God loves you, and He's here this morning because He loves you. He doesn't have to be here. He wants to be here. 
And I tell you every week, God loves you. And maybe, maybe you hear it so often that it loses its meaning. Love, love, what does that mean? It's important that we understand what love means because the Bible says it should be our greatest aim. It should be our highest value. It should be what our lives are about. It should be our highest priority. It should be what drives us. It's it's love that should be the deciding or the driving factor in every single decision that we make. Give that some thought for a second. Love ought to be why we make the decisions that we make. You see, we all have a priority. We all have a highest value. We all have a highest aim. And whatever that is in your life drives your decision making. It drives your lifestyle. If my, if my greatest aim in life is, is power or prestige or accumulating material things, that is what drives my decision making. If, if comfort, I just want to be comfortable. I work so I can be comfortable. I go to work so that when I'm not working, I can just veg out. Well, if that's my aim, if that's my goal, if that's my focus, if that's my priority, when I have a decision to make about whether I should do this or that, I'm going to do the thing that most likely brings me to a place where I can veg out. When love is your aim, when love is your priority, love is the driving force behind the decisions that you're going to make. The Bible says it should be our highest priority. It should be our aim. It should be our highest value. And then it says to us, everything you do, you should do in love. Now, the Bible makes no mistakes Everything that's in there is in there for a purpose. Every period, every comma, every word, it says everything you do, you should do in love. Now, is it possible that maybe they didn't mean everything? Dale, do you, do you mean I should do everything in love? Everything. When I send emails, should I do that in love? <laughs> yeah. Some of you need to put a little thing on your computer that says, write in love. When I'm paying for my groceries at Publix, should I do that in love? Yes, you should. When I'm vying for the one parking place that three other people want, should I do that in love? Yeah, you should do that in love. When I'm standing in line to renew my driver's license, should I do that in love? Yes, you should do that in love. How about when I'm responding to people who are attacking my faith? Oh yeah. Yeah, we should respond in love. Everything you do must be done in love. Now if that is what God calls us to, it, is, it behooves us to know what love is. 
to be able to define it, to understand it. We are commanded to love. Jesus is our master. He's our Lord. And He commands us to love. It says in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus Himself is talking during His earthly ministry and He says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. You must love your neighbor as yourself. He says these words, no other commandment is as important as these two. He, he says, all of the commandments and all that, that we've been taught by the Old Testament prophets, all of it, it just it hangs on these two, these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbors, you love yourself. Now when I think about that, I think to myself, then, then what I can do is I can, I can take all the other commandments, all that we've been taught, and I can really just toss them out the window. I can just do away with them. Because if I follow these two, those will be fulfilled. If I'll focus on loving God with everything that I am and have, and loving other people, then all of the other commands, all that we've been taught, will take care of themselves. Those things will be fulfilled. That simplifies things a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, that's kind of, that's nice. You don't have to know all ten, just two. So when they, when they, when, when they ask you in Bible class to stand up and, and give the Ten Commandments, say, I don't have to know all ten, I just need two. Love God, love other people. Love God with everything that I am. Let's learn about love today. Let's, let's just look at the basics of love. And folks, I know this is the basics of love. Most of you, this is just a reminder about love and, and how it works in our lives. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to the book of 1 John, the epistle of 1 John. That's at the end of the New Testament. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude and Revelation. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Here's the first basic of love. We love... Because God loves us. We love because God loves us. In that fourth chapter, in the seventh verse, here's what it says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. You might want to underline that. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love comes from God. God is love. The essence of God is love. His character is love. God created love. God is the source of love. He is the giver of love. If we want a greater 
capacity to love that must come from God. He is love. He created love. He's the source of love. He's the giver of love. If you want to love more, if you want a greater capacity to love, listen to me, basics of love, that must come from God. You don't create that from within yourself. You don't exercise certain principles uh, that you have created so that you can have a greater capacity to love, so that you will love more. There's only one place it can come from. 1 John 4 and the 19th verse just moved down a little bit and it simply says this, we love each other because He first loved us. This is the absolute key of everything we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. This is the foundation. Listen to me, folks. If we don't get this, if we don't understand this, if we don't receive this, if we don't make this a part of who we are, then everything that we study and everything that we learn will crumble. It'll go away. This verse, John 1 John 4, 19, we love each other because He first loved us. It, it, it really could be read this way. We have the capacity to love because God loves us. I want you to consider the practical impact of this on your life. Men, if you want to love your wives the way they want to be loved, the way God wants you to love them, the way I really believe you want to love them, then the love that you express to them, the love that you have for them, must come from God. God gives you that love. You must first receive God's love before you can Give love. You receive and understand and experience God's love and you grow in your capacity to love others. It's really kind of logical that you can't give what you don't have, what you don't possess. What you're filled with is what comes out of you when you're squeezed. Like a tube of toothpaste. When you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, whatever's in the tube is what's going to come out. Hopefully toothpaste. But listen, if you're filled with anger, when you're squeezed, anger's what's going to come out. And when you're filled with love, when you're squeezed, love is what's going to come out. I think that's why the Apostle Paul made a big, big deal about this. He said, I want to know God's love. I want to know God's love. That word know is a a word of intimacy. It's a a word of experience. I want to experience God's love in a in a very intimate kind of way. We know, we receive, we understand, we experience 
God's love. How much does God love you? Can you quantify that? Is that a question that can even be answered? How much does God love you? Until you get that part, you can't love others. Until you experience His love, you can't give love. It starts by understanding how much He loves you. How much does God love you? 1 John chapter 4 again, verses 9 and 10. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Folks, don't let the familiarity of this keep you from embracing it this morning, keep you from pondering it this morning, keep you from receiving it this morning. I said in staff meeting on Tuesday, I said, guys, help me. I, I need an illustration to help people understand how much God loves them. And, and, and I'm just, I'm struggling with this. I can't, I can't, no, nothing seems to really, really do that to convey how much God loves us. And one of the guys sent me a text after the staff meeting, and he said, Dale, I hope this will encourage you. It's the gospel. That's the illustration. That God, in a time where He owed us nothing, we deserved nothing from Him. We had earned nothing from Him. We were enemies of His. We were in sin. We were separated from Him. In a time that we were most undeserving, He expressed His love toward us. He demonstrated His love toward us. It was nothing we did. It was a choice He made. I'm going to show them how much I love them by giving them, by sacrificing on their behalf my most prized possession, the thing in the world that's most important to me that I love the most. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to sacrifice it. Not only sacrifice it, but sacrifice it in a brutal way. I love them. I love them. Surely, when they see this act of love, when they see this demonstration of love, they'll know then how much I love them. When we begin to ponder on the Gospel of Jesus Christ, which is very simply this, God loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son that if you will believe in Him, you will have eternal life. You'll never die. The Gospel of Jesus Christ, when we were undeserving, He expressed His love for us. The Gospel of Jesus Christ, though we didn't earn it, He gave it to us. He expressed His love. The Gospel of Christ, when we embrace that, when we ponder that, when we allow that to be a part of our lives, of who we are, that's our identity. The Gospel of Jesus, the Gospel of Jesus, then we can begin to experience how much God loves us. 
When we, when, when we allow that to be a part of who we are, we have this hunger and a thirst to know Him better. We have a hunger and a thirst to, to serve. And we have a hunger and a thirst to be in His Word and to pray and to, and, and to fellowship with other believers. These things, it kind of it drives us. And in all of those things, we experience His love for us. In all of those things, He expresses His love for us. In all of those things, He reveals to us His love for us. In all of those things, we begin to grow in His love for us. Folks, here's the point. This is the basics. We can't love others until we've received love from God. Experienced His love. He loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son. He demonstrated His love. He pursued us when we didn't deserve it. I think it's important that we understand how this impacts our relationship with God. It's often that I have an opportunity to talk with someone, someone who's away from the Lord, they're, they're a, a Christian, they're, they're a believer, but they're not following God, they're not serving God, they're not worshiping God, they're not interacting with God. They're, there's the, the relationship there is, it, it, while there is a relationship, it's, it's kind of dormant, you know? And in the course of the conversation, a lot of times they'll say to me something like this, I guess I just need to love God more. I guess I just don't love God enough. And my response is always, that's not the problem. The problem is, you don't know how much He loves you. It's not that you don't love Him enough, it's that you don't understand how much He loves you. When we understand how much He loves us, that becomes a driving force in our lives. That becomes a, a motivator in our lives. God demonstrated His love to us, and it was something that He chose to do. He didn't have to. You understand that, don't you? He did not have to. He chose to love us because, number two, love is a choice and a commitment. Love is a choice that is made. Deuteronomy 3.20, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. This is the key to your life. Love is a choice. Love is not something that's uncontrollable. It doesn't just happen. It's a choice and a commitment. We use the phrase, I fell in love. I'm falling in love. But really, there's no such thing as that. Because love is a choice that we make. We have control. We don't have control over an attraction that we might have. But that's not love. And sometimes we confuse the two things. We choose to love. When I do weddings, and a bride and a groom exchanges vows and promises and commitments to one another, those are choices that they are making to one another. You choose to love God. He's not going to force you to love Him. 
if someone says, you know, I, I, just, I just don't love her anymore. Their mindset is that there are certain circumstances that prevent them from loving that person. But that's not true. They are choosing not to love that person anymore. Because love is a choice. Love is a choice. The way you express it is a choice that you make. I think in these next weeks, you're going to make a lot of choices in regard to love. You're going to choose how involved you're going to be in all that we have going on here so that we can learn more about love. You're going to choose whether or not to be here on Sundays. You're going to choose whether or not to be on time. You're going to choose whether or not to be in a life group. You're going to choose whether or not to do the assignments. You're going to choose whether or not you're going to study the Scriptures. You're going to choose whether or not you take on the challenges of loving people who are hard to love. You know why? Because love's a choice. Love is a choice that you make. I think this becomes more clear. This love is a choice. See, we get so confused because we confuse it with an emotion. Right? But God commands us to love. You can't command an emotion. I can't say, be sad. Because you can't command an emotion. And so we've got to kind of separate this idea of love being an emotion when in fact, love is a choice that we make. And in addition to that, love is an action. It's not just an emotion. It's an action. Love is what you do. 1 John chapter 3. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. God commands us to love. And you can't command an emotion. It's what we do. Love is seen in what we do. We know God loves us because of what He did. Because he expressed his love to us through an action. Love is what you do. I read this past week in some of my studies. A girlfriend said of her boyfriend, he's always saying to me, I love you so much I'd die for you. He's always saying that, but he never does it. <laughs> well, she understood. Love is an action. Love is what you do. Acting in love, listen, acting in love when you don't feel like loving is the highest form of love. And we're always, we, all of us have been there where we don't feel like loving. There's an application here in your marriage relationship. There's an application here in the parenting relationship. Maybe it's easier for you to kind of formulate that or see that in your mind when you're talking about the parenting relationship. Because I know there's often times that you don't want to act out the love you have for your children. 
But you do. Because that's love. That's what love does. Love chooses to act even when you don't feel like acting. There's a, a, an application here for people that you work with. There's an application here for rivals that you have. There's an application here for neighbors. There's an application here for your relationships within this community. People that you see on a daily basis or a weekly basis. I want you to know that during this study, you're going to have some practical assignments that you're going to be asked to do. We're doing this because you don't learn love by listening to a sermon. You don't learn love by reading a book or going to a small group. You learn it by doing. You choose to act. And you learn. During our, our, our groups, this is why life group is so very, very critical in what God wants to do in each of us and through each of us in this area. In our life groups, we're, we're going to be given some, some challenges about loving people, and some of those challenges are going to be hard. You're going to have to choose to do it. You're going to have to choose to act. And some of those challenges have to do with, with loving the unlovely, however you would define that. Or loving people who don't necessarily love you. I think that loving people who love you is kind of easy. But you have to choose to act when it comes to loving people who don't necessarily love you. Love is a choice, and love is an action, and love is choosing to act, and love is a skill that can be learned. Philippians 1.9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more as you learn and as you grow, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Listen to this. It's a skill that I can learn. Here's what that means. That means it's something I can get really good at. I can get good at loving. We can become skilled lovers. Great lovers. Master lovers. If, there was this, if this church was going to be known by anything at all, I would want us to be known as the church full of lovers. That those people just flat out love. I want us to be known as the most loving church around. And I know you're thinking, that's impossible, that's impossible. And I would take you back to last Sunday where I tell you that God loves, delights in working in the realm of the impossible. I've battled with this myself. God, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't make us a, a, a 800, 1,000 people who just love is what they're all about. It's what drives them. It's what motivates them. And he says, Dale, what about Gideon? I took Gideon and 300 men and I, I beat 135,000, defeated them. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You can do this. You can do this in this place. He can do it in your life. He can make you a master lover. He wants to make you a master lover. 
It's a choice. It's an act. It's a, it's a skill that can be learned. And, and then as we begin to develop this skill, it becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle for us. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Your character, who you are, really is a sum of your habits. You have a tough time arguing that. It's a sum of your habits. We don't want love to be something that, that's like a light switch that we just can turn on and off and on and off. We want it to define us. And so we're going to have to learn to love the unlovely. I don't... Some of you here, as I have done, you say, you know what, I, 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 I'm a loving person. You know, maybe, maybe I've already done all of this. Do you love in everything that you do, as the Bible asks us to do? I don't think it's fair for me to say I'm an honest person if I'm only honest 90% of the time. I don't think it's fair for me to say I'm a loving person if I can turn it on and off and love when I want and not love when I don't want. I want to learn to love. I want to develop that skill. I want it to become a habit in my life. It's got to become a lifestyle. You're familiar with this. I've mentioned it to you before. Studies show that it takes about six weeks to develop a habit. That's why we're spending 40 days trying to learn about love. I want it to be a habit in your life. So, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's on your notes. Make a choice. Make a commitment to growing in your understanding of love. Let's learn together how Jesus loved. Let's practice the skills that we see Jesus doing. Let's develop habits. Let's practice them to the point that they become a habit in our lives. And let's lean on God. Let's depend on God. Let's trust God to do the supernatural and unexplainable in us. Do you believe God can do that in your life, in our church, in your home, and in this community. I believe it with everything inside of me. I've already begun thanking Him for it. I believe that He wants to do that. Now look, I'm done, but I've got to reiterate this. You can't give what you don't possess. And there's only one place to get love. That's from the source of love. That's from God. You can't love that other person, your wife, your children, your neighbor, your coworkers, the cashier. You can't love that other person unless you have received love, unless you have experienced love, unless you understand God's love, unless you possess God's love. That's the key. That's the foundation. That's what we have to build on. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me unconditionally. God loves me. 
I want to experience that. I want to understand that. I want to embrace that. I want that to be the driving force in my life. And if I can receive that and experience that, then I can have the capacity to love other people. And only then can I have the capacity to love other people. And as I grow in that understanding and I grow in that experience, then my capacity to love other people grows. I have a greater capacity to love other people. We love because God loves us. Love is a choice that we make. Love is an action. Love is a skill that can be developed. Love is a habit and a lifestyle in our lives. That's what we're after. That's what we're asking God to do in us. There's no way you can consider that and not understand it will change me. That will change me. If I have the capacity to love in everything that I do, that changes everything for me. It'll change everything for you. There's a lot of you in here who desperately want that change in your home. This works. Love comes from God. God first. Love comes from God. Amen? And love is an action. And there are people in this church who have made a choice to demonstrate their love for you by saying, I'll serve. I'll be a leader. I want to introduce you to some of those people real quick this morning before we dismiss. I want to ask all of them if they would to come forward. All you guys, just come right on forward and stand up here right in front of everybody. We are um, installing new deacons um, on our deacon board. I think we're adding six uh, new deacons on our deacon board. And I wanted to be sure that our church family knew who they were, and I wanted to pray for them. We are also going to um, um, present to you uh, a new leader of our men's ministry and a new leader of our women's ministry. Now, I need William and Tracy. Y'all kind of get on the end so I can have all the deacons together. All right. All right. Let me, let me start here. This is Brian Migliasa. Uh, Brian must love y'all a whole lot because Brian has chosen to take on the role of lead deacon, and he'll begin that uh, responsibility immediately. And I thank you, Brian, for that service because that's a, that's a tough, tough job. I want you to know that um, our deacons are the guys who are behind the scenes, and they are guys who have said, I want to be available and I want to help. I, I want to help our church family. And a lot of times that means praying for them. A lot of times that means uh, going and sitting with them or giving them a ride or helping them to move or whatever, whatever it is. Deacons are available to love on you and to assist you and to help you. Your first point of contact when you have a need is your life group. Your second point of contact is your deacon. Okay, and these guys are here. They're going to pray for you whether you talk to them or not, whether you call them or not. They're going to pray for you, and they're going to lift you up. And so, Brian, I thank you for taking on this incredible uh, leadership role. This is Neil Fink. 
Neil's going to be one of our deacons. He, and I also want to say, uh, when these guys step forward and, and, and make a commitment to serve in this capacity, they're also um, sacrificing time with their families. And that's why we say the wives of these deacons give and serve as much as the deacons do. Because when they're serving you, they're not serving their wife and their children and their families. And, and um, I, I'm so grateful for you guys that you would be willing to make that kind of sacrifice. Uh, Neil Fink, this is Brian Ferrara. Brian, we've just seen him grow in the Lord, came to know Christ through this ministry. You've just grown and grown and grown. We're so uh, very, very proud of you. God bless you. And Hernan Diaz, Hernan and his family have been a part of this church for a long, long time. Hernan, I thank you so much for your willingness to serve these people and the sacrifice that you will make. Rick Freeburn, Rick's in a life group that I'm in, and we've gotten to know each other really good, and I appreciate him and his precious wife so much and their willingness to serve and their love for the Lord. And uh, Rick, I've seen you grow so much in your relationship with the Lord. Now Rick wants to say, I, 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 want, I want to kind of um, share that experience with all of you. And Rick will be praying for you and serving you in a, in a really, really neat way. And this is Mario Colon. And Mario's in our life group too. And Mario, I've seen you serve and I've seen you love. And, and I'm so very, very glad that you said yes to the Lord when he asked you to serve in this capacity. God bless you. Y'all give a hand to these deacons if you will. This is Tracy Cadenock. Did I say that right? I didn't even get close, did I? Well, I used to say Cadenac, but that was, that's wrong too. So why don't you tell me your last name? Cadenac. Cadenac. It has a C-H at the end. But it's Katana. This is Tracy Katana. This is Kurt Katana's wife. Kurt serves as one of our elders. Tracy is a special, special lady. Uh, when Brooke left to go with her husband to serve in another church, Tracy uh, was asked if she would step up and take on a leadership role in our ladies' ministry. And I'm so very, very grateful that you said yes, that you would. And I thank you for the way you've already begun to serve our ladies. And I'm so grateful for the way that you'll serve them in the future. And that's a tough job. And um, we're going to be praying for you and, and lifting you up in that. Tracy, thank you so much for being willing to serve. And this is William Enright. A lot of you know William. William's been such a blessing to me. He's an encouraging guy. William loves the Word of God, and he loves teaching the Word of God. And he is going to step up and uh, lead our men's ministry. Uh, Ira Gar in, in uh, collaboration or in, in cooperation with uh, Toby Four has led our men's ministry. Ira has done a wonderful, wonderful job, and we've asked him to take on other responsibilities in our church. He stepped down from leading our men's ministry, and William has stepped up and said, um, we asked him if he would step up, and he uh, graciously said that he would. We need to pray for William and for Tracy as they lead these two vital and essential ministries in our church. Y'all give them a hand for being willing to serve. Let me invite you to stand, if you would. I'm going to pray for these servant leaders in our church. They're really representative of a whole bunch of servant leaders that we have in our church. Listen to me very, very carefully. Love must be what drives them in this ministry. If it's not, they'll burn out. 
if it's love that what if it's love that drives them in this ministry then God will give them the strength that they need as long as they'll follow the Lord and do what he says don't do it if he doesn't tell you to do it follow God do what he says to do and he'll give you the strength to do what he's called you to do thank you for being willing to express love uh, like you're going to let's pray for them shall we you pray with me I, I don't just listen to me pray but lift these people up before the Lord, if you would. God, it's part of your plan that you would use people to be an expression of your love for us. Lord, that's hard for me to understand that you would use people. But that's your plan, and there's no plan B. And so, Lord, people who experience your love for them cannot help but want to love others. And that's true of these men and women that stand before us today. And we lift them up to you. And we pray for them. We pray that you would give them everything that they need to fulfill the calling you have on their life. We pray fervently, Lord, that what drives them in their ministry, what fuels them in their ministry, is love. A love for you and a love for others. We pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom. For, Lord, there's going to be opportunities they have that you don't have for them. So, Lord, help them to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Help them to walk with you. Your pace your direction. I pray, Lord, that you would use them supernaturally. I pray, Lord, that their ministry might be a ministry that is not explainable. That it would be the, a, a, a ministry like that of Gideon, where you accomplish things through them that they must turn their heads toward heaven and say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Lord, I thank you for their willingness. I thank you that they each made a choice. I thank you that they said yes when you called. Lord, may we not take that for granted. Lord, may we be a good church for them. May we lift them up in prayer. May we encourage them. May we show our gratitude to them for their acts of service in our lives. Thank you for them. Bless them. Bless their families, Lord, in a very, very special way. Protect them. Provide for them. Use them supernaturally. All of this, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. We give y'all a hand of appreciation again. Thank you. Y'all can take y'all seats. Appreciate it. Folks, um, Um, I really, really am excited about what God wants to do in your life through what we're going to be studying these next few weeks. And I'm excited about how He wants to use you. It's going to take a choice. It's going to take a commitment. I promise you, there are going to be times in these next few weeks when you don't feel like it. Do it anyway. Because love is a choice.
Love is an action. Do it anyway. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's how I interpret that. What you invest in, you tend to love. What you give yourself to, you tend to love. What you sacrifice for, you tend to love. You grow in your love for that thing. And I'm asking you to make an investment in what God has for you in these next few weeks. I think it's okay if I say, if this morning you've sensed in your spirit that you need to be a part of a life group and you're not yet, then it's not too late. I might get in trouble for saying that. But we'll make it happen somehow or another. What you need to do is go on the website, avalonchurch.org. Put some information in there. Say, look, I know I'm late, but I need to be in a life group. We'll help you get in a life group, okay? It might not be this week. It might be the following week. But we'll get you in a life group. That's a vital part of what God wants to do in your life. This is going to radically change you. It's going to radically change us. I believe that. We're going to have a time of worship and then we're going to dismiss. I thank you so much for being here this morning. I thank you for your attentiveness. I thank you for having a desire in your heart to experience what God wants to do. So Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for your still small voice that whispers in our ear and gives us guidance and direction and lets us know your heart on this matter. Lord, I pray for those individuals in our room this morning. They're here this morning. Maybe they've never really understood the gospel. That you loved them so much that you sent your son to die in their place. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. But the Bible says if they'll believe that they can have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. I pray for each of those individuals who are here this morning. Maybe they've been trying to figure out why it's so hard to love. It's because they've never received your love. Lord, seal commitments and choices that we've made in our hearts this morning. Give us the strength to follow through and be obedient to you. We ask all of this so that through our lives you might receive glory and honor and praise. As we worship you now, Lord, minister to us in a way that only you can. Arthur, you lead us in.